Nearly 200 years ago, God gathered this little group of Jesus followers and formed a church. And that church is called Mountain. For 198 years, God's mission through Mountain has been unstoppable. And that's because at each defining moment along the way, Mountain people have stepped up with this gritty determination and this radical commitment to a faithful God who keeps making a way where there seemed to be no way. This is a defining moment. This is a time for the people of God to rise up. You are being called to make a difference with your life by stepping forward and saying, I'm in it for good. All right, hello everyone. Greetings, everyone, if you're online or at Edgewood or Abingdon or Aberdeen, Mountain Road. Let's just kind of welcome everybody in. Here we are all together. Welcome. It's week two of Unstoppable Good. You've heard that. And this is like a bring your books to class kind of experience. You know that by now. You need the guidebook. We said we're on page 25. And you can get it online. Did you see this? I got it right here online. And it just the page just turns like that. I thought that was cool. I don't know if you do. If you like a paper one or you got a digital one. They're right there. Another thing that will be helpful to you is to have a Bible. You're going to want to have one of those in your hands. Maybe that's on your phone as well, or I like, I like the paper one. So get a Bible in your hands. And then that reminds me of um, my, my group. I was in a group this week. I know thousands of other people were in groups launching this week. And I was so encouraged, grateful to be with, with a, a bunch of guys. We're making this a priority. We're growing together, believing God wants to do something in us. And God wants to do something through us. And we've just got to be connected with others if that's going to happen. So it's never been easier to join a group, use the website on Church, or um, find a friend or find someone around here that looks like they know what they're doing uh, or looks like they're in charge or something. Okay? And then, uh, yeah, the Daily Dose of Good. Did you su subscribe to that yet? Did you do that? Okay, there's modest enthusiasm in the room that I'm standing in right now. I don't know if you have. It's accessible on the website. You can get it sent to you every day. Um, even after a week, I'm still getting surprised by it. It's like, who's texting? Oh, yeah, I, I'm glad I signed up for that. And you can, too. Text GOOD to 833-269-9787. And each day, a five-minute video will come right to you. It's a reflection on one of the Psalms. We're meditating on God's goodness in the midst of whatever might be happening for you in your day. I don't know if your days are filled with good or with bad, but as they say in some churches, and maybe you know this too, God is good all the time. And all the time, some days put a little more pressure on you to, to believe that, I understand. But we want to be grounded every day and start that way and open to hearing God through his word. So that's an important resource. And I know some of you may be just joining us. You're new around here and you're not sure if this is a good time to be involved or not. Well, look, it is a great time. No, you, you don't know about the 198 years of history of Mountain, and that's okay. You will fit right in because this church's history has always been about helping misfits find their fit and join in what God is doing. And I, I didn't mean to call you misfit. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but whoever you are, welcome home and let's go. You ready? Okay. Well, we're going to actually go right to the punchline today. We're just going to start at the end. It will be rather obvious. It's not always that way when you're studying the Bible, but this works today. And this punchline, it kind of, it lands like a mantra, almost like a campaign slogan. A little long for that maybe, but it's a, it's a cause that people can get behind. 
a clarion call designed to, to galvanize and move people forward into action. It comes right from the New Testament letter to Titus. So if you're taking notes in your guidebook on page 25, you can write down this punchline, and here it is. Let those who trust in God devote themselves to doing good. Let those who trust in God devote themselves to doing good. Good. Now the words trust and good are highlighted and they'll have our attention today. Good, you're not surprised about that. Good is, is all over. You, you see it everywhere you look. It's posted and it's, it's a welcomed concept, right? We like the idea that's enshrined right here. Yeah, let's do good. We like the idea of ourselves being people who are devoted to the good. We could get behind this. But let's, let's peer a little further into the concept of trust. We're going to pay attention to how this fits together. Um, Trust. Some people would say that uh, trust is a currency. Or you may have heard other people say uh, relationships are built on trust. When a father places the hand of his daughter into the hand of her groom, that's trust. When a lender puts a check into the hand of an entrepreneur, that's trust. When the boss shows the ropes to the 20-year-old manager and then puts the keys in his hand and tells him to lock up, that's trust. When the coach draws up a play for a specific player and says, you're going to take the last shot. When, when a young child jumps into the water at the, the coaxing of a reassuring parent. When a family sets aside a portion of their income to be given as an offering through their church. That's trust. Now, some of us, when we think about trust, we're thinking about the fact that we have trust issues. And, and of course, when you have been betrayed by someone you love or, or let down or left behind, I'm sure a lot of us have trust issues as a result of those very kind of situations. And there's a wider phenomenon going on that social scientists are paying attention to about the, the breakdown of trust in institutions, government and media and church and so forth. Collectively, as a society, we seem to have some trust issues when it comes to how we view politicians or pastors or papers or even parents. We don't readily trust them to the same degree or in the same way that we once did. We often hold them in suspicion. And I'm not, I'm not whining about that or saying that it's always unwarranted. I'm simply drawing attention to the possibility that for many of us, situations that call for trust may be met with hesitancy or resistance or antagonism because, well, we got trust issues. And while, while the heart feels that and, and the body kind of tightens up, the mind is at least able to understand that there is no way of getting around trust. It is of the essence in life. In our head, we, we know that that marriage, that business, the store, the team, the child, the family, the church, none of it advances and becomes what it could be, could become what it, it's meant to be without trust. So we will be asked to reckon with the question today, asked by the God who gave life to us, are you ready to trust? In this little letter near the end of our Bible called 
Titus is going to help us think through that. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and take it out. You can turn to, to Titus. I've got a paper Bible. It's, it's almost way at the end, and if you're turning too fast, you go right past it. It's this long, okay? The book of Titus. And here's what this is. This is a correspondence between Paul, from Paul to Titus. It's New Testament, so it's after Jesus. Jesus happened. He went around doing good and healing and freeing people. Like we, we, it says that in Acts 10. We read that last week. But Jesus' enemies killed him. And then he rose. And Jesus is still alive through his spirit. And he is spreading his influence, spreading good and blessing throughout the world through church communities. They're emerging all over, around the Mediterranean and Africa and Europe and, and even beyond. So Paul is instrumental in all of this. He travels everywhere. He's planting these church communities. And then his legacy is being carried forward by people like Titus, whom Paul views as a son or a protege. And he's been sent to an island called Crete. It's still there. It's still called Crete. It's the largest of the Greek islands. And not only is it known today to be the most populated Greek island, but it had garnered a reputation even long back before Paul. It was notorious, you could say. And uh, not for something good. For things worse than like what you would say about people from New Jersey, even. All right. I'm, I'm just kidding about that. The New Jersey part, but not about the Crete people. Paul uh, quotes Epimenides. He's a Greek philosopher. Titus 1 verse 12. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. Yes, put that on the mugs in the gift shop. Something to remember us by. Talking about trust, don't trust someone from Crete. They are liars to their very core. Paul says, yeah, that's who they are. But he's, he's not finished. He goes on. Titus 1, verse 16. You know what? They, those people, they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That's who they are. So Titus, my boy, oh, I've got a great job for you. It's in a great location. Well, the neighborhood is a little rough around the edges. But, but you, know how, you know how I'm always saying I follow Jesus. You follow me as I follow Jesus. Well, I want you to go down to Crete. Yes, Crete. And just like Jesus, you go around doing what is good and teaching what is good and setting an example of what is good to those detestable, disobedient people who are unfit for doing anything good. That's what God is calling you to do, Titus. I'm not sure about his prospects. The situation looks a little bleak. And a lot of us today feel that way about, about our situation right now. The video that we watched last week talked about that. Go, if you missed it, go and watch it. It's, it's at the, the website. But even if you didn't see it, you see it. You, you feel the impact of the polarization, the division. Fear and, and anxiety are on the rise along with suicide, mental health crisis is real. Our youngest ones to our young adults are growing up in a world that is bent on leaving God behind. M morality is, is so confused. The poor are languishing, whether in hotels uh, down the street or in slums across the ocean. The rich, well, they're languishing too, many of them, oddly. 
without purpose, without God, addicted, stressed, lonely, aggravated, grasping for the good life, but unsure if it's really any good. These are the realities that describe our world. We live among so many people who are, at best, they're unsure about God, uninterested in God uninspired by the church, unwelcoming of its influence, unimpressed by its reputation. And yet, at the same time, uh, unable to satisfy life's deepest longings on their own. Unfit to heal the world's deepest aches. And that is precisely why Paul sends Titus to the middle of the Mediterranean and why God is sending Mountain to the middle of Maryland and beyond to do unstoppable good. Here's how it goes. Titus chapter 3. You go there if you got a Bible. Now at the end of Titus chapter 2, uh, Paul is talking about what God did to create a group of people who were of all different stripes, but you were united by Jesus, and he says they are eager to do what is good. That's what God wants. And Paul keeps riffing on that as he gets into chapter 3. And he says, now remind the people to be, th- these are the Jesus people, these, these are the people in, in the church that Titus is leading. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. We should just be the ideal citizens. Remind them to be obedient, and here it is, to be ready to do whatever is good. It should be so refreshing to witness the example of, of our people, people living under this banner. I mean, you look at them and you say, oh, they're, they're so um, peaceable. They don't slander anybody. They're peaceable, they're considerate, they're always gentle toward everyone. I mean, what what a breath of fresh air that would be if that's the kind of good that we were known for. Now look, you might be, uh, maybe you're new to the church thing and you come here, you've got all kinds of ideas about what church is. Maybe you have been harmed or you've been turned off and look, we, we are not perfect. We don't always get it right. But what we are going to do is keep calling ourselves back to this. This is what God has in mind for his church, to live out this punchline. And and Paul wants to take us back and and be clear how we get here, right? So he picks up on this familiar uh, drumbeat that he's been hammering home with with everyone everywhere he's been, okay? So now follow this now. we got to be honest about some things. At one time, I'm in in verse 3 now, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. So it it wasn't always this way. In fact, it, it really was like this. We were trapped in the midst of our own evil and foolishness and ignorance. We're Cretans after all. Now, we're, we're not Cretans. But even Jesus' followers today have a story like this to tell as well. Living in a reality, this, it's not just about being naughty. But yes, th- there is uh, disobedience. But not just being naughty, also straight foolishness. And even worse, we're enslaved. We're stuck. We're always groping but never really getting a hold of a life that satisfies. We're blocked off from that. So it's humbling to to be honest about that, isn't it? But so many of us here have this 
story to tell. This is part of our story too. We're, we're striving so hard in life, but we're getting nowhere. We're trying to live large, but we have really nothing of value to show for it. We're enslaved to our addictions with no way out. And some are right here today. And it's not until you can finally admit that before God that the script can actually change. Titus 3 and verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. When we had no moves left, God made a move. Kindness and love and mercy appeared to rescue us from the shabby existence that we were calling life. Verse 5, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. These are uh, the fundamentals, you could say. We have been washed reborn, experienced a rebirth. Remember your baptism. It meant something. We've been renewed by God's spirit. I don't know how to draw a spirit, so I'm going to draw a fire. There's a flame that has been lit, and that flame has been shared with us to light us up in our world and animate us for a new kind of life. This is God's generous act. It is God's gift of grace. That he would set us and make something new that could be true. As a result of God's generous act, now, now we are set right, justified. Now we are heirs. We have an inheritance. We have hope. We ha what we have is life now. These are the drumbeats of the good news. And we hear it in Titus, and we hear it in our community. And you know what? We hear it everywhere you look. You, you start reading the New Testament and what's true because of Jesus. You hear it everywhere. You hear it in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul wrote that too, and you might be familiar with it. Ephesians chapter 2 goes like this. It says, as for you, well, you were dead. <laughs> it just calls this. It just says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins because of the way that you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. But because of his great mercy... Because God loves you, God who is rich in mercy, God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. For it is by grace you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. For we are God's handiwork. Now, some translations say we are God's masterpiece. That's what's now true of you. We are created in Christ Jesus. Why? In order to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. These are the beats of good news. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. 
And that's the same rhythm that leads us to the punchline in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things, Titus. You know these things, Titus. And you've got to stress them with the people so that those who have trusted in God would be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Yes, I would say that they are. And they are things that can become a reality because people who trust God act on that trust to bring about what's good. People who reach out and take God's hand and have faith in God are faithful to do what is good. Trust carries the beat forward to accomplish the good that God desires. These four beats are fundamental. And they set us up well to talk about uh, what, what we believe this means uh, for Mountain and, and what God is doing in Mountain and through Mountain. You have a guidebook. Go ahead and turn to page, uh, I think it's 13. 13. Really, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Um, you look there, and I think you'll agree. As you look at all of that and you take it in, maybe you have done some of that already. I think you would look at that and say, you know what? That's good stuff. This is excellent and profitable for everyone. And it can become a reality if the people who trust God are careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And here's the way that this, is, um, this calling to trust God is going to be felt by each one of us. Okay, follow me now. See, there's trust expressed right here. When you, you take God's hand, you say, God, I need you, I trust you, I believe in you. There's trust right here. And, and because of that, because of God's grace, you are made new. You are set on a new foundation. You are equipped with a charge to do good. But notice right now, at this moment in time, in year 198 of Mountain Christian Church, this calling to do good is not just um, like a generic um, go do good generally speaking or be a generally nice person. That's fine, but we're talking about well, some specific good. It has a specific shape. It's defined. And you can see it all spelled out right there. It's under stretch, strengthen, and spread. And you can see it's all bulleted out there. It has a specific shape. There's, there's real substance to it. We're putting ourselves on the hook for some things. And the question is, will our trust in God carry us forward to do those good things that matter to real people? I mean, did, did you see the video last week? Um, Mary and Wallace Kamau, leaders of Mohi in Kenya, saying, thank you, Mountain Christian Church, for partnering with us to build this camp for our 20,000 students and counting. That camp doesn't exist yet, except in the form of vision. It can exist in reality if we are willing to trust God and do good. There are connections to be made through, through sports and play. And there's leadership and facilities that are needed to make those things happen. I was just talking with a guy in my group this week, and we were reflecting on how we met on a basketball court. And I have seen that guy give of himself and serve kids through our sports camps over the years. And he is taking his relationship with Jesus seriously. We want more of that kind of good stuff to happen. I was just this week sitting with our students' pastor, and we're looking at reviewing some numbers. And 
we are right now checking in more students on a Wednesday night than we ever have. That, that is an excellent trend that it can't not continue. That has to, as we invest in our, expand our focus in kids and students. Digital connections. Digital connections lead to Jesus connections. We've seen that around here. Some of you tell that story. People will always crave connection. And there is so much bad stuff happening online. But we, more and more, we've got to claim that for good. What, what, what if our church, what if our church was so eager to do good, we, we just exploded all over the place with generosity? We know that this church is capable of it. In, in two days last week, we just $15,000, we turned around and sent it to Fort Myers to help with people who are suffering from the hurricane. Partnering with a church there who, who's like-minded, just like we are. Speaking of exploding, the epicenter just celebrated a nine-year birthday this week. And, and it's having a multiplying effect. The table is set for expanding space, increasing impact, broadening partnerships and influence. And it will happen if we will trust God and do good. It is a specific kind of good. Featuring all of these things and more. It's in the pages of the booklet. And it's calling for a specific, uh, a specific act of trust that says, I will invest my life. The, the life that I have that has been rescued by Jesus. I will invest my life into these good things. I will put my energy and my money in play for these efforts. It's the kind of trust that knows that we as a church have put ourselves on the hook for this vision. And so I myself am going to put myself on the hook through a pledge of generosity in order that this vision can become a reality. You, you see how this works. You're feeling the beats. I've seen so many people uh, who are and, and who have. They've played this out throughout their lives. They were, they'll tell their story. They were as good as dead in the life that they were living. But the grace of God took hold of them and they trusted God for new birth, new status, a new hope, a new vision for life. And that has propelled them into a future where they invest every part of their lives into God's good work. And they're ready again now to do that so that this specific future can come to life. And you know what? On the other hand, I, I have seen a lot of people stop one beat short. They were stuck. They trusted God's grace. They were set right. And they're stalled. Stagnant. One, two, three. Trust showed up here. But, but it's not showing up in a way that, that, like, I'm entrusting what I have for God's good. Faith showed up here. But, but it's not translating into faithfulness in doing what is good. 
grace, generosity, a gift showed up here from God to me, but, but it's not carrying through me. And that's a breakdown of trust. One, two, three. It's a trust issue. I've heard someone describe trust as a, a confident relationship with the unknown. How's that relevant here? Well, uh, we, we can never know the future, right? We are, though, uh, prayerfully and responsibly trying to say as much as we can about what the future could look like. This, this church is being as transparent as we can about our intentions, about where the money is going. This is what we're trying to do. We think it's good. We think it's excellent and profitable for everyone. And we think we have a pretty good idea of what kind of investment it will take to make it happen. So, so for, for each of us, though, the unknown, the unknown is felt when we consider, well, you know, like, what would that mean for me? You know, to get here, my part in this, what, what would that mean? What, what's it going to cost me? If I was going to get in step with all four Bs, and not, not just generically do good and be a nice person, but if I was specifically going to offer myself for this good cause, what, what kind of change would that mean for me? It's unknown what life would be like to live on less and give more. At least in terms of how it impacts me, it's unknown. What we do have a pretty good idea of, of what, is, what kind of impact that could have out there if we did that. But, but what's it going to cost me? How, how would it feel to take one less vacation a year and repurpose that money for unstoppable good? We don't know. C could I find uh, value and joy in selling that car in order to advance those resources to put them in play for unstoppable good. Oh boy, could, could, we, could we live within our means? Could we actually face up to the fact that we have an addiction to stuff? And could we order our financial lives in such a way that we would get out of debt and we would prioritize resources for unstoppable good? I mean, none of the stuff has a role in making you who you are today. None of that stuff has a role in setting you right and giving you hope for the future and an inheritance that lasts beyond that life. It was God's generosity and grace that brought all of that about. How can we be generous too? W will we trust God that living open-handedly is actually the best way to live? It, it should be said that um, people are learning the answers to those questions all of the time through Financial Peace University around here. Next one starts in November. Th this is, you've heard it said, th this is not just talk. This is the biggest thing we've ever done. And it won't happen without trust. Will you trust God? And, and will you trust this church to be generous in the biggest way that you ever have? Th there, are, there, are, there are lots of unknowns in the economy right now. A lot of things that are beyond our control. But even that, 
will not stifle the good that God is calling us to do if we are willing to trust God and devote ourselves to doing what is good. When a family sets aside a portion of their income in order for it to be offered through their church and into the mission, that's trust. And yeah, you know, it takes a lot of uh, just practical things that you got to make happen, like conversations with other members of the family. It takes careful planning and, and prayerful devotion. And, and really, that's why th there's a commitment card that comes in with, with the booklet. That's why this is in our hands right now. You're not filling it out today. But put it somewhere where it can be a thing that calls you to pray and consider how is God calling you to trust him over the next few years. And I know that so many of us are already doing that, and I, I hope 100% of us will. You know, I, I've been so encouraged to see, just to see this play out in the lives of so many people. It, it, it inspires me to have all four drum beats in my life. And, and I've seen it in um, some people that I know named Brandon and Ashley. And, and they play this out, all four beats, one, two, three, four. And they've been a catalyst for so many good things, uh, some of which have been a blessing to me personally. You know, as you think about um, the ways that God is calling you to trust, and as you think about how you can devote yourself to unstoppable good, listen to their story. I'm Brandon, this is Ashley, and uh, this is my wife. I'm her husband. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't all she asked you to say. We go to the Aberdeen campus, and we've been, I've been going to Mountain for six years, and Ashley's been going for four now. Well, I started going to Mountain because of you. I got baptized, uh, like three days after I came to Christ, and then I got connected really well, which was awesome. It's made a huge difference in our lives. You know, everybody there, especially, um, but all of the groups, different ways to get connected, different ways to serve has like fueled our relationship with God, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, without all of that, I feel like our faith wouldn't be as challenged, you know? We wouldn't have as many areas to grow as we do a mountain. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's awesome that like, we live in our community where we go to church. I feel like that impacts yeah. our marriage and we have neighbors that also, we found out, go to Edgewood. So it's pretty cool. Being in a men's group and being in like a couple's group, um, doing studies together, you know, it's challenged me to grow in my faith. And especially when you can see somebody else is strong in their faith in one area that you're weak in, and it kind of challenges you to say, man, I wish I was good at that, or like I could grow with God in this area. Um, but yeah, all of the questions, you know, uh, the challenge to even tithe, you know, to give and to see um, money as God's and everything that we have as God's was challenging for me at first, because um, I like money you know, and I wanted to keep it all for myself. Mm. But to see it as an act of worship um, was huge. And to accept that and to know that it is, you know, God's and it's an act of worship to give to him was the biggest challenge to begin with, I think. But now it's like a big blessing. 
when I tithe, I'm just, you know, I don't know what God is about to do with what I give him, but I know it's about to be good. And it's wise to save, obviously, like we know that. But if I have stored up so much and said no to all these different initiatives that God wants to use to help people, then I feel like that's wrong and it convicts me. I shouldn't hold on to all of these things and just spend it on myself, even though, yeah, it'd be nice to have a new fishing kayak or, you know, maybe like three new rods or, um, you know, a truck. All oh these things gosh. are very appealing. Um, to you your know, wants. The wants versus <laughs> the needs. We talk about the wants versus the needs. Yeah. Um, you know, if we, you know, listen to the Spirit's promptings and do what he wants us to do in this time, I think we're not only going to see like the church be changed, but our county and the counties next to us, like it's going to affect a lot of people in a good way. Um, and they'll be able to see God in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Start small, like start with just the one time. It doesn't need to be reoccurring. You know, it could just be something, you know, small to start and see how you feel and pray about it, obviously. And then like Brandon said, you know, it just becomes a blessing when you're able to give back what is already his, but just trust him and- And deny yourself, you know, it sucks. It's hard. You know, I'm not saying tithing sucks. I'm just saying like- Denying Actively yourself. denying yourself is hard. Like I said, like you can think of a million other things to spend that money on because 10% is a lot, you know, You'll, you'll come up with a number and you'll say, dang, that could be a lot of things, you know, but it's turning into things that we, we can see and also things that we cannot see that God is using them for that are way better than whatever we were going to spend it on. Well, um, and it built, you building your trust builds your relationship with God too. Yeah, it does. So yeah. it's rewarding all the way around. Um, that's why, like, my main thing was just, just trust him. Yeah.